Hey y'all, welcome to the Mental Health Moments with Monique podcast. I'm your host, Monique Johnson. I am a licensed clinical professional counselor, a nationally certified counselor, and a registered play therapist. This podcast is a safe space where I connect with different members of the community and allow them to share their experiences and perceptions on mental health. We sit and discuss the stigma surrounding mental health, as well as their personal journey to learn and understand their own emotional well-being. They have taken on the mission to educate, advocate, and help others become aware of the mental health concerns in our communities. Take a moment to listen to their stories. Hey, y'all. Thank you for joining me on the Mental Health Moments with Monique podcast for episode number 10, Social Justice. Joining me today, I have my friend and old co-worker, Jill Codwell. We work together at 360. I'm so glad to have her on our podcast today. Jill identifies as an African-American female who is a licensed clinical social worker and works as a therapist at the National Lewis University Counseling Center in Chicago. Thank you so much for being so willing to share and for taking on the mission to educate, advocate, and make others become aware of mental health. I love when I have other therapists on my podcast, other mental health clinicians, so I'm super excited to dive in and just to be able to chat with you today. How are you doing this week? We're doing good. I'm excited to be here. I think this is a great topic all the time, especially right now in our world, so Um, I'm just really excited to jump into the topic. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Like so many things have transpired, you know, I would say over the past few years specifically. Now, granted, this is something that's been going on for years, you know, years and years and years, but I think it's come to the forefront a lot the past few years. So I am excited to talk about this topic. But before we even dive into our, you know, topic for today, I do like to ask a few questions just surrounding mental health to all my guests on my podcast, just to break that stigma, normalize everyone's experiences and to hear from other people. So I'm going to ask you, when you hear of mental health, what do you think of? So when I think of mental health, I just think it's something that is a part of our everyday lives and that it affects everyone. Um, I think it should be just as important as our physical health. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of things determine our mental health being good or bad. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just something that is very natural. Um, And I deal with it every day as my job. Um, But people deal with it every day in their normal lives. Mm-hmm. 100%. I love that you said it's just as important as your physical health because people don't really realize like if you have something wrong with your ankle or your knee, you're running to the doctor, right? And so mental health is just as important. The brain is a very, very important organ in the body. And so just how we take care of our physical health, we need to be talking about and taking care of our mental health. I think you are, you know, really great for bringing that up and highlighting that. And you do deal with this on a daily basis, being a therapist and just working mm-hmm. with people in in the mental health field. Um, and I think that people need to be cognizant of this on a daily basis, right? Because we experience things daily that impact our mental health. And so how do we include this in our daily lives? Yeah. Was mental health discussed in your household growing up? Um, I would say yes and no. Um, I think that mental health in the sense of talking about maybe depression, anxiety, 
Um, I think that became more prevalent in our lives when it became more prevalent in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there are other ways we talked about it without talking about it. So I think when we talk about certain family members having addiction problems mm-hmm. or when we talk about anger, um, we don't really think about that as mental health all the time, but it really is mental health. So, um, so yes and no is what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Right. So they were like the big names that come out, right? The depression, the anxiety and things like that, that were discussed, but maybe the other, you know, facets of mental health that people don't realize, like whether it's, you know, maybe I'm irritable or I'm angry or my behaviors are acting out and things like that. Those are trauma and they're not realizing like that is coming up. Those were the things that were not necessarily discussed. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. A lot of that, We had not impact, and we are still unpacking to this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is huge, especially, I think, you know, the crazy part is older generations in our family, they really don't talk about it. And so now trying to have those conversations, sometimes a little bit more difficult, but, you know, some people are more open-minded to going mm-hmm. to those spaces. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, do you think mental health is important? And something that needs to be discussed and maintained, and why? <laughs> um, absolutely. Um, I think I would say that. Um, but in, but in all honesty, it really is something that needs to be discussed and maintained. Um, and I think it's really funny how mental health is something that affects every single human on this planet, but it is probably one of the most stigmatized topics. Um, every human has emotions Mm -hmm. and every human experiences interactions with other humans. And I think with that, it involves mental processes and those mental processes, depending on how positive or negative they are, are produces maybe positive or negatives in your mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, I think a part of human life, like, like physical health, but we don't prioritize it. Um, and I think that, that is a problem, um, and I think it leads to a lot of problems, and it it's kind of like a snowball effect. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, but I think nowadays I see a trend in people looking at mental health as what it is, just regular health of your brain and your mind and your spirit, mm-hmm. um, but we still have a way to go. 100%. It's definitely grown. We got a long way to go. Um, And so I think you, you know, made a good point that every single human being has mental health and emotions. And this is why I always say that every single human being can benefit from therapy. You know, whether it is check-ins, whether it's long-term, whether it's short-term, whatever it may be, (laughs) every human being can benefit from it. Right. Mm -hmm. I agree. I heard you mention the stigma. What do you think about the stigma surrounding mental health? Oh, man. Uh, this could be a topic on its own. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think that the stigma, that there's been so much, I think, to contribute to it. And I don't think that all of it's wrong. I think that the mental health field in its uh, development has hurt people. And I think it's kind of like science. It's an experiment. And it's figuring out what works and what doesn't work. And I think in that process... Um, it has created, um, I think, negative labels of, like, working towards that. Um, but, and, and at the same time, I'll say that even today, like, even if we learn all of that and we have uh, come so far in advancements and 
just learning more about humans, I think it's still kind of like we have all this information, but yet we're holding on to these fears. Um, and it's causing more damage than harm um, to people. And literally every human in this world, I think, has been affected by their mental health in some type of way. Like, I think to be depressed or to be anxious or even more broadly, trauma is, yeah, yeah. has happened to everyone on a different level yep. within different generations. Um, and so I think it's it's more about how do we talk about something that's uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but also know that everyone deals with it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, mess. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you're right. I think you said something very key. I think history plays a role. You know, especially with certain demographics and certain communities when it comes to mm -hmm. the trust of, you know, the, the distrust of the medical, you know, system and, you know, not seeing a lot of people like us and mm -hmm. on the other seats, you know, as therapists, mm -hmm. thankful that mm -hmm. you are there and I am here now, but there's still not a lot of us, <laughs> you know, like on the other side. So I think right. there's a lot of pieces to it that created, you know, that stigma. And then over time in history, it just seems to get worse and worse. And so like, how do we sit in that uncomfortable space? How do we have those uncomfortable conversations? Because it is important, right? Like we all deal with this and how do we talk about it and not feel scared to talk about it or fearful because of what someone might say or what someone might do or how they may think of you because of your experience. Right. Because I guarantee that they've probably experienced it too or experienced something different that maybe also under the umbrella of their mental health concerns. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So how was mental health introduced to you growing up? Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> you know, I think mental health, I think it was introduced just in my own life experience. Um, I, I think at teenage years, I remember very clearly, I think, that's the time where it pops off for a lot of people. Yes. <laughs> um, and but I think even for me, just being told as I grow up and remembering, like, I would go to therapy starting at, like, seven years old. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, that's insane. Why would a seven-year-old need to be in therapy? And I think um, that is part of the complexity of, like, mental health. Like, sometimes mm -hmm. it shows up for people at different times than others and for some reasons and then not other reasons. And so it's been something that um, I've had to navigate my entire life. And then as it's unfolding in me, seeing it in my family, seeing it in my community, seeing mm -hmm. it in the world, it just has progressed mm -hmm. over time. Um, but it definitely started with just feeling like, what is wrong with me? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's where it started. Yeah, so it was just introduced to you that you started noticing that you started feeling some things and started noticing some things like, what am I feeling? What am I experiencing? And how can I figure this out? And maybe started some of that as early as seven years old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, just sitting there talking to an adult about your feelings and not understanding what that is. Um, but, I mean, it, it, it affects everyone even at the youngest ages. And that's why I think it's so important to talk about it. Like, from birth, I think mm -hmm. you feel the effect of mental health. Mm -hmm. uh, and different people experience that at different ages. Some people even younger than me. Yeah, 100%. And I can tell you because I work with kids and I have yeah. young five-year-olds, four-year-olds in my office. And people are like, how are you working with five and four-year-olds? Well, 
They don't know how to regulate their emotions. So we're learning how to do that in session. <laughs> or yeah. whether it's a behavioral thing. And also parenting too. I do do parenting stuff too. Because I think that the system, right, it all plays a role and it's hand in hand. But yeah, it can start as early. And I'm all about also too preventative work. So if we, you know, hit this when they're young and we're noticing things at four, five, six, you know, years old, that can also mm-hmm. help them in their later years. That can also help them in their middle school, teenage, adult years. So I'm all about that preventative work. I'm not saying it's going to prevent everything, but it gives them the skills to be able to learn how to regulate their emotions and what that is. So, you know, I am glad that you were able to get it. You know, also some experience of that pretty young because it is beneficial to get that. So from seven years old, as you've gotten older, how did you come to understand your own mental health and your experiences? Yeah, I mean, I think... Just growing up, and it, this is a very different answer than I probably would have given um, when it, it was more prevalent in my life. Yeah. Um, but I'll say, just like growing into my uh, growing into adulthood, like I'm in my late twenties now. I think just noticing that some some things are just life, mm-hmm. and you know, I think my mental health is just like, or I think of mental health is like, how do you just deal with life? Yeah. Um, and some people have different experience life experiences and others and different curves and things thrown at them Mm -hmm. um and I think that I just learned that with mental health like you have to do what's best for you Mm -hmm. because you are the only you in the world um and so I think that's been a journey of me figuring me out (laughs) and what works best for me Mm -hmm. um while also trying to do that for other people so (laughs) imagine that (laughs) oh I get it (laughs) yeah I love that, though, like learning because life will life. Okay, (laughs) in each stage, you know, that you go through. And so as you have, you know, matriculated through your 20s, you're now in your late 20s and you are, you know, a full adult and have these life experiences. How do I take care of myself while I'm going through these life experiences, as well as, you know, my childhood and my past mental health experiences and all of that? Like, How do I navigate these different stages of my life, knowing that I have these skills while still helping my clients? Yeah. That is yeah. a job. <laughs> it is a job. And, you know, I think some people would think that that's, like, how can you do that? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, how can you help someone when you need help? And then I think that's just the humanity of it, right? I think that's mm-hmm. because we have not normalized that mental health is a human thing. Yes. <laughs> and therapists are humans. And um, I think this is just more humans being in connection with other humans and navigating this thing called life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's really like, what it is. So... Um, and some people can do it better than others and or with different tools and resources. And yeah, so I mean, I think that's just I think sometimes even working with other people in their mental health has even helped me with mine because mm-hmm. it's kind of like calling yourself out. And you're like, yeah, I really should listen to that. Oh, yeah. I can definitely mm-hmm. attest to that. <laughs> I agree that sometimes in my session, I'm like, mm, that was a good mm-hmm. idea. I'm going to take note on that one. <laughs> Um, But I always say, like, even to my clients, even to my friends, I am a human first and therapist second. So, yes, I am able to be a therapist, but I'm also a human. So I go through life experiences just like everybody else. And so therapists have therapists. And I can do both. I can be human and go through my life experiences and have a therapist. And I can be a therapist to my clients. Mm Absolutely. Absolutely. Doctors can do it, so why can't we? Exactly. (laughs) 
I love that. So I do want to say thank you for just sharing some of your background information about mental health, your experiences with mental health and giving us that. I know sometimes that can be very vulnerable to talk about and not easy to discuss. So I do appreciate you coming on here and sharing that. Um, So I'm going to go on to our topic of social justice and mental health. All right. right. What is your definition of social justice? Okay. So I'll be honest. I had my own definition and then there's the actual definition. Yes. Um, I just wanted to compare them a bit. So Mm -hmm. when I kind of just did a quick search on the actual definition of social justice, they were just talking about how it's the view that everyone deserves equal economic, political, um, social rights and opportunities. Mm -hmm. So just equity in those different areas of life. How I personally live and view social justice is being a part of correcting wrongs, Mm -hmm. whether those wrongs have been intentional or non-intentional, and bringing fairness or equity to people for things that they just deserve. and that can be broad, and depending on, you know, what people think, but social justice is a very broad thing, and I it think is. it's dependent on what topic you want to focus on. Mm-hmm. I agree, right? It's like, it's very, very broad because there can be social justice things in different elements of things, whether it's life, different areas of life, and different topics, mm-hmm. and things like that. So I think that is um, a great definition. So I love how you compare, you know, like, what you looked up, the you know, the actual definition and then like your <laughs> definition. But it, there is some commonality in that where it's like fairness and equality. And then like, you know, of course, getting that just for the for the people who have been done wrong to. Right. Like yeah. and being able to talk about that, discuss that and making sure that they get justice from that. Um, and so yeah. I think that is the overarching, you know, of all these different areas that social justice comes up in. I think that's the overarching, you know, definition of like what is trying to be the goal in all those situations yeah yeah um so you know when i talk about social justice i also you know the fight right for social justice and and there are a lot of people that we know who fight for it fight for that equality fight for that fairness fight for showing you know people who have been done wrong and making sure they get justice in those situations and so Mm -hmm. i also want to ask you who are some people that you know that fight for justice uh social justice and that have fought for social justice, right? Whether it's the past, the current, you, your community, all of that. So who are some people that you know? Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many, right? <laughs> so many in the world. Um, and I, and you know, I don't even, um, I, I think it ranges from people that we know. Like, so example, you have like um, your Malcolm X's, your Martin Luther King's, your um, Rosa Parks, you think of, and those are even just like the post, those are the poster yes. people, right? There are even people, there are more than those three in the, involved in the civil rights movement, yeah. right? And I think you even think about um, uh, just the other movements that have been in the United States, whether that be um, the LGBTQ rights movement, whether that be the Chicano uh, rights movement, whether that be um, even just, I'm thinking of the people that I'm reading right now like i'm reading things by bell hooks yeah um different uh like i'm trying to get more into audrey lord like things like that Mm -hmm. um so those are just like names right of people and large things but i even think social justice happens um in every every day in ways that people don't see it like Mm -hmm. in my own life um 
just having different experiences, whether that's been when I've gone to the border, the United States-Mexico border, mm -hmm. um, a lot of people down there in the community doing uh, social justice type of work, mm -hmm. um, whether that be the supervisors I've had like, mm -hmm. in jobs that I've had, like advocating that for youth and children to have access to mental health. Yeah. Um, be my own mother. Like, you know, I think it, like she's just a lot sometimes. Um, <laughs> but I think she is very passionate about caring for people yeah. and seeing what's wrong and why aren't we all that coming together. Mm -hmm. Um, even just when she would point out things on TV, like, that's racist. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, even when I don't want to see the world for how it was, she would just have to explain that. And I think a lot of parents of black children sometimes have to be that. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, it, 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 I think anyone and everyone can do social justice mm -hmm. type of thing. It doesn't have to be the big names. It mm -hmm. can be, you know, somebody... Even, like, locally, like CTU, like the Chicago Teachers Union, doing things for these students, right? Yes. It can be anyone. Mm -hmm. um, but those are just some of the examples of where I've come across social justice. 100%. And it shows, like, it could be on a macro level and a micro level, right, in the ways that you yeah. do it. And I think that is pretty cool from, of course, right, the big names to everyday people like me and you at 360 Youth Services advocating mm -hmm. for our youth in the school systems like, yeah. to give them, yeah. you know, their mental health services, talking with police officers, educating them, doing those things, mm -hmm. right? So it can be in different levels in everyday people. And I think that everyone and every day people can continue to fight, you know, for social justice and do that. So mm -hmm. I love how you explain that. That is super cool. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. Now, because, you know, we've seen over time, in the macro and micro levels, people doing this, big people, like, in history, and then, like, us every day. How do you think fighting for social justice, especially these past three years or two years, um, have like can impact your mental health? Yeah. So I, I think there's, like, kind of two parts to this question for how I'm going to answer it. Because mm -hmm. I think about the need to fight a social justice issue in general can have mental health impact. Mm -hmm. So what I think, for example, even just thinking in the last uh, two, two, three years, like what hasn't happened? Um, right. I don't want to jinx it, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but I think like thinking about access to healthcare, for example, something so basic and something that everyone deserves when you don't have that, I think that in itself can create challenges with your mental health. Mm -hmm. Like when you're housing, like COVID has destroyed the housing market for some people um, and a lot of people and made it good in some ways for other people. Um, but just when you're, you don't have a place to stay, you know, that can create a mental health problem. And mm -hmm. so I think that before you even begin to fight it, the fact that you need to fight it mm -hmm. is a problem. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you get in the process of having to fight, so like I have to prove that I need a place to stay. Right. I need to prove that I need health care. I think it's kind of like it can be it can be a lot mm -hmm. because it I think your basic rights as humans sometimes are just it's being invalidated and ignored. Yeah. And I think you have to prove your worth is it, it's insane. Mm -hmm, <laughs> it's mm -hmm. insane. And I think that, you know, it's hard to kind of even fight, like, even on a micro level. So, like, if a friend doesn't see me, that's hard. And a lot of people can't even have 
discussions with their friends. Mm-hmm. Let alone now I have to talk to the city, state, national government to give me rights. I have to talk to millions of people to see me, you know, for for things, whether that be, you know, I think in the, you know, racism is always a thing, even like with if COVID, like, um, even think about how Asian people have experienced things. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that you have to just prove that I am a valuable person is, like, the essence of social justice. And that and it, that can just be very traumatic. Yeah. Um, and it's a balance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a balance to have to fight that. Because if you don't fight it, it just becomes worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but fighting it also is a challenge in itself. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think... Sometimes people talk about the mental health part of, like, trying to get these things in the world that you just should have. Mm-hmm. It should be a natural given as a human being in this world that you should be able to have access to those things. I love how you put it right. It is so true that the injustices of this world create like so many different mental health experiences and so many challenges from like lack of access to health care lack of access to mental health care lack of access to housing and where I'm going to live and you know like being able to provide for my family and then fighting that to prove that I do deserve this is even another battle right and so it's like layer after layer it gets more difficult and like you said it becomes very traumatic when you're trying to do this and fight this system that's only really just trying to play against you it, it is a really uphill battle and i know it's really difficult it is very difficult yeah it has and i even think that's something that has maybe even caused generational problems mm-hmm. right generational traumas and mental health problems because Social justice, I think it's something we're talking about more, like, within, uh, you know, the 21st century, I'll just say that, um, and being able to put a name to it. But I think this is, social justice isn't new. It's been around even in, in the B.C. ages. Like, to fight for your rights is nothing new. Yes. Um, but I think that impact of people having to prove their worth and sometimes fight for it, whether it be in their words or actions, it it, it adds up. It adds up. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to, I think, sometimes realize that impact. And I think that's what we're starting to realize, especially with more research being done with trauma. Mm-hmm. 100%. I definitely do agree. Um, woo, that was good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what has your experience been like for just seeing the injustices in the world and your personal fight for social justice been like for you and how has it impacted your mental health? Yeah, I think for me, I've really had to work with what I view as doing social justice work, um, and how that's made me feel because I think that when you think about the big names, like the people who are in the newspapers and in the history books, some people think in order to do social justice, you have to be like them. Mm -hmm. And I think that at least that's what I would think, Mm -hmm. right? I have to be out there. I have to be on like in a protest. I have to do very outwardly type things. And I had to recognize that so sometimes fighting social justice makes me very anxious yeah. um, because I think history has shown that when you fight certain social justice issues, um, you can be in danger. Mm-hmm. Like this, the, like social justice, um, as we've seen in, in the last two years, like whether it be 
protesting to not be killed. Yeah. Um, at least, um, whether that be even even past the two, three years, like for people fighting for their rights to land and not having uh, indigenous people like fighting for their land and right to not have that destroyed by oil companies. Like these things have gotten violent. Um, and so I've had to really think about, you know, I do have a right to safety and I want to do something, but I don't always know what to do. Um, so for me, I've had to realize like I can't do good work if I'm held back by like my anxiety or my depression when it comes to this. So I have to do what's within my realm of control. And so for me, that might have been like, I think sometimes sitting in a room with someone on a one-on-one level can be social justice work, Mm -hmm. right? Because I'm helping them navigate something that, like, they might not have that support in their life to do that. Mm -hmm. And people are just not equipped. Um, And sometimes I'm not owning people's progress. Like, that's their progress, and I'm helping with that. Um, But I even think sometimes changing and helping someone through their mental health can lead bettering their lives generationally mm-hmm. in a way i know it mm-hmm. helped for me like mm-hmm. I, like i'm a first generation student um college graduate and all of these things and if someone didn't help me through my mental health i don't know if i would be able to do that yeah um uh, i think sometimes you have to just get creative with what you think of as social justice and what you can control i even think sometimes maybe learning about different things and teaching other people about things is social justice work mm-hmm. um i think you just have to know your boundaries with this work um because it can be very overwhelming Mm -hmm. and it can be very daunting and dangerous and some people can handle more than others and that's okay Mm -hmm. Woo, a word because that is so true and i think the huge thing you put out there especially in these last couple years is safety right like if you're doing these things and you realize that you're not safe that can be a traumatic experience for you and you don't even know it and then you said like as i am trying to be on the front line and i'm trying to do all these things it's making you anxious it's being it's overwhelming you and it's making you uncomfortable so you really got to be careful like you said about what you can and cannot do know your limitations know yourself and then implement those boundaries where you need to put them in and still do the work in other ways because you can't like your one-on-one work whether it's inside that office or outside the office like being Mm -hmm. able to do it in different ways doesn't mean that you have to be on that front line because being on that front line can bring other things that will impact your you know your mental health and so you have to be aware and mindful about where you're where you're at in the space that you are in and then being able to continue to get creative because I think everybody needs to you know be able to fight for social justice and be able to, to do that but how do you know when you can and cannot do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to say, one day I might be able to yeah. go out and do a protest. I think I just know that right now, that's not where it is. And even in my job, just even validating, I just thought of this experience. I remember I had a client who was on probation. Um, and, you know, working with his probation officer to explain his mental health. And, you know, do we really need to... Uh, criminalize his mental health mm-hmm. if he's hurting himself or other people that's just minor stipulations like some people may have different views on that but i'm like i don't want to put another person in the criminal justice system when that's not where they're going to get the help and so me talking with that person helped that client not be on probation um i can't help that client further because i like mm-hmm. you we just have to terminate but you know i think something like that 
it's whether you're helping one person or many people, it's that social justice work. Yes, exactly. 100%. Um, and that is why I say like you do it inside the office, you do it, you know, outside the office, but that is a perfect way that you've been able to do it even in your job and in your current community where you're at being able to do that, even though right now, you know, your limitation is I can't be on that front line because of what is going on in the world, right? It's very heightened. And it's been a very, very hard time to be able to be on those front lines but i do think that there are spaces when you can be and so who knows right like maybe we'll get to a space where you can't you know go out and be on the front line and have those different experiences but again it's not a one size fits all right like there's different ways to do it and be able to fight for it um so thank you for sharing that i do appreciate that how uh, does fighting for social justice and social justice in general impacts mm-hmm. our community and our world as a whole? What do you think? Oh, um, <laughs> I mean, I think I'm just going to speak for where we are right now. Yes. <laughs> for it being today. I mean, there's there's a war going on. Right. And and. Ukraine and Russia right now are in a war, and I'm not here to, you know, speak on all the technicalities of that, but I think that that is social justice in our world, right? People fighting for their right to have an independent country. Um, And that's not even the only place there's a war going on, right? I think you have people um, with Palestine and Israel, you have people in Yemen, you have people in Somalia. I think those are big level social justice things going on. Um, that I think do impact the larger world community um, and the people even spread out like there who might not be in that country but belong to that culture Mm -hmm. and belong to that nationality Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that it's hard sometimes I think fighting for social justice can be crippling for people um, because they don't really know what to do Um, but I think that Although I love and hate social media at the same time, um, (laughs) you know, I think that it's also, it can also bring us together in a sense. Like it sometimes can connect us like, oh, that's happening. Like these are humans. Um, There's there's a balance of responses about how social justice work can define people. I think when you have your community and people who are fighting that with you, it can feel good. Um, But also the fighting isn't always fun um, mm-hmm. for people. So I, there's a lot of wide range reactions that can happen to this. Um, but I think it's just important to just recognize that social justice is always around you. Mm-hmm. Right? Like even if I'm not in the dealing with Ukraine and Russia right now, I'm, I'm, I could be dealing with, I don't know, seeing a homeless person on the street. Like yes. that is, it, it happens on many different levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we just have to be aware aware of it but that awareness can can vary in how it impacts us yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think you're right that awareness is huge and thank you for sharing because it's like you're it's a lot going on right now in the world <laughs> and social justice is screaming <laughs> right now you know on a macro level from just not even in our country but in other but <laughs> we're all together and they're like <laughs> you know what I'm saying so many different levels about what is going on right in the entire world and then you have again in your community when you walk past a homeless person on the street 
street, right? Or a family who can't feed their, you know, their kids. And like, and so it's so many different elements that we as a community are impacted, that we as a world are impacted. And so I do want to say thank you for sharing your insight on the different levels of how social justice comes up in everyday life and macro and micro, you know, experiences. So I do definitely do appreciate that. Um, okay. Moving forward, what do you think are some ways that a person can fight for social justice in their daily lives and care for their mental health in the process? What do you think? Yeah, I think that one, kind of remembering like what you can control. And that kind of goes along with what matters to you. I think like, you know, like we said, social justice is in everywhere in everything. Mm -hmm. And it can be very overwhelming to think that you have to combat all of it. Yes. And you cannot, right? I mm -hmm. think that that is where, you know, thinking about being an advocate or being an ally, like there's yeah. so many different levels to it. Um, so I think that for people in their everyday lives, like finding something that is important to you, mm -hmm. right? And I think that when you find something that is important to you, start to build your awareness and your knowledge on it. And then it can transform into doing things about it um and even if the other all the other social justice topics in the world like for example i really care about mental health and yeah. i care about racism and i care about um gender i care about all that stuff mm -hmm. um but like i also care about the environment right so like am i am i like an environmental activist no um but can i recycle yes mm -hmm. right i'm doing some part or i'm i'm aware of the impact of my actions um, and where my work, like I am doing presentations, I do sessions, I do all of these things. So it just depends. And I looking at what's in my realm of control, mm -hmm. I can't tackle everything. And I think when you realize what you can control, your mental health can be, can be good because you're not as overwhelmed by everything. And it's allowing you to realize that you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna feel helpless, and that might not make me feel depressed if I don't feel helpless. Mm -hmm. um, so, it, it, you know, it's it's just saying like, stay within your stay within your zone and do what you can, and being able to accept that that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I think when you have that mindset, your mental health can be really good. Oh yes, I love that. Staying in the realm of what you control. And mm -hmm. being mindful of that is huge. But I heard three key things, right? Passion, figure out what you're passionate about and what you like. Awareness, mm -hmm. becoming aware of maybe the injustices within that, what's going on around you in your community, in the world. And then advocacy, figuring out yeah. a way that you can advocate, be an ally, support, or do the work that needs to be done because you are passionate about it are definitely the right. ways people can fight for some justice and do that and take care of their mental health, right? And mm -hmm. not overdoing it. Because like you said, you're passionate about a lot of stuff. That doesn't mm -hmm. mean that you're able to do all the stuff that you're passionate about. And so you get the things that are really, really big to you and really, really, you know, close to your heart. And you do that. And maybe those other things you do on a smaller level, just not as intensely as you do the other things. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. That's a good wrap up. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> all right. Is there one last thing or anything else that you want to share with the community and others pertaining to social justice and mental health? Um, I think that speaking on just mental health, mental health in general, I think is a social justice issue. It sure is. And I think that 
if you are new to to this, one where one place I think you can start is just yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Are you okay? Do you think your mental health is good, right? Are you fighting for yourself? Mm. Because I think that if you cannot fight for yourself, it is going to be very hard to fight for other people, right? Whether that be, you know, and so people do it all the time, but, you know, you will burn out if you try and do this work and you are always focused on other people. So I think that to prioritize you and your mental health, whether that be, you know, going to therapy, whether that be exercising, whether that be eating correctly, whether there are a lot of things that can be therapeutic, um, but whether no matter what you do, being able to take care of yourself and being radical and understanding that I matter <laughs> is so important. And then I think once you are able to realize that you are important and that your health matters, then you have the space to care for other people and fight for that cause. It's very like it's very hard to create space for people when you don't have space for yourself. Ooh, that just gave me chills, Jill. Okay. <laughs> Fight for yourself, (laughs) y'all. But you're so right because you can't pour from an empty cup. So if you don't fill your cup up and fight for yourself and take care of yourself, how are you going to fight for others? How are you going to fill up other people's cups? So that is definitely a word. And I hope you guys heard that word from Jill, the licensed clinical social worker, who said to make sure you take care of yourself and your mental health. And then you can actively go and do social justice and fight for yourself. And that's how you will also maintain your mental health throughout that journey. So thank you for sharing that. I do appreciate it. Well, since we're talking about, you know, taking care of ourselves and, you know, you do your job and you advocate and you do workshops and you do all these things. How do you take care of your mental health? What does self-care look like for you? Right. And so this is where I had to, you know, sit in my own seat and listen to what I tell other people because self-care has been very difficult for me Mm -hmm. in my life Um, because I, I don't know, it's just easier to care and work on other things than to do the work for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that it has to be simultaneous. Um, so for me, what self-care has looked like is, you know, getting a good amount of sleep sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, go to bed. It's late. You know, you need to be able to show up the next day. Um, or you just need to be able to feel rested, even if it like, without other people being involved. Um, sometimes that's meant talking and reaching out to friends Um, because I can't handle things on my own. I definitely can internalize a lot, uh, Mm -hmm. but I think especially in these last year or two, knowing where to go to and asking for that help. Um, Whether that sometimes I reflect and I journal because I need to get my thoughts out. (laughs) I go to therapy now. Um, I hate working out, but I am doing it because, you know, I had to choose my body and feeling good, drinking water, like, all of these things, there, there are going to be different things that fill me in different ways. And I think I just had to learn to listen to my body, listen to my mind, and just take care of it. Because um, I was burning out at one point. Um, but self-care is still a journey for me. So we're, we're, we're getting better at it. <laughs> yes. And I am here for the journey. Because I know some of the journey, you know, the 360 days. I'm like, Jill, yeah. <laughs> are you taking care of yourself? <laughs> 
Yes, so I am glad to hear you taking care of yourself and practicing self-care and implementing all these different things, right? Because we have different types of coping skills, whether it's movement, whether it's processing, whether it's distraction, and whether it's grounding techniques and all those different things. So I'm glad that you are able to have a variety of things that fill you up in different ways and it makes you a whole person. So I am rooting for you. Keep doing it. I'm doing it too because I know I run crazy and I am practicing some of those things as well. Um, mm-hmm. I fell off of journaling for the past three weeks. I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> you know, that's, that, I mean, that's real. Like, I think, you know, taking care of yourself isn't a one and done type of thing that I'm perfect at it. I think it's a lifelong practice. Mm-hmm. It's a maintenance thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we fall off and we just get back on, right? And, mm-hmm. and that's part of it. I think self-care is partially recognizing when you aren't doing it. Like, you can't change something if you don't even recognize what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, it is a process, and we can't, like, beat ourselves up in the process of getting better. Definitely. Be gentle and graceful with yourself. Yeah, that for is sure. Okay. Um, all right. Well, as we wrap up here today, I'm going to ask you, do you try to educate, advocate, and help others become aware of mental health? Absolutely. And I, and I'll just even in different ways outside of my job, because that's obvious. But, you know, whether I'm talking to friends, um, talking to like my mom or my grandmother, you know, just saying like, you know, just take care of yourselves or like I'm here for you. And I think even that signals that it's OK to not be OK. And I want you to talk about it and know that someone's here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, because I, I do have clients that come in and talk, but, you know, people also exist out, <clears throat> people also exist outside of that um and so i just think being a present and good friend daughter whatever else role i play um it's just how i advocate like for mental health and then obviously i do it in the in the session room as well um so yeah i'm a huge advocate Yes, I tell people all the time when you're a therapist, I mean, yes, you take your therapist head off. But when it comes to educating and advocating, look, you're going to hear it. And I'm going to say something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. So thank you so, so much for taking time out of your life. I know that, you know, life gets crazy and busy, especially as a therapist and right now. So thank you so much for taking time out of your life to come on the podcast, share your experience and to share your clinical expertise with the audience. I truly appreciate it. And I am going to end with this. There is no health without mental health. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> For more information, go check out my website at www.mentalhealthmomentswithmonique.com. Also, go follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Mental Health Moments with Monique. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor so that you know when new episodes drop each month. This journey has been so fun, guys, and I'm super excited to continue to share more with you all in the new episodes to come. So grab your favorite cup of coffee, tea, or preferred beverage and get ready to listen while I educate, advocate, and help others become aware of mental health through their stories.